Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome everybody to episode 53 of Island Ice Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Gross. And uh, yeah, I get it. Uh, it's it's a painful night for, for, for you guys after a uh, 2-1 overtime loss in game six of the Eastern Conference Finals to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay advancing to the Stanley Cup Final against the Dallas Stars while the Islanders season, uh, really uh, an incredible season of ups and downs and twists and turns and uh, global pandemics and really a season like no one has ever seen before uh, finally comes to a conclusion after a franchise record 22 postseason games and uh, you know a lot of hurt right now I'm I'm sure. Um, you know, as like I said, the season comes to the end and it's just natural to have an empty feeling when you come so close to a goal the organization has not gotten since 1983, the last of four straight Stanley Cup final championships and really not even a berth in the uh, Cup final since 84 when they lost to the uh, burgeoning uh, Edmonton Oilers dynasty as the Islanders dynasty came to a close. But, you know, hurt now, but I think when you step back and, and you take a, a look at the overall picture, there, there are going to be more smiles uh, than frowns when it comes to the Islanders in 2019 20 and uh, really a, a gallant effort right to the end. Uh, a shorthanded Islanders team uh, before the game, Adam Pellick uh, declared out, comes out later that he's got a broken wrist. And now I'm seeing reports that the reason Casey Sezikis left the uh, left the the bubble was he, he's got a detached retina, um, but he should be ready for whenever training camp starts back up and uh we'll we'll have to see how long a timeline you got on Adam Pellick uh like I said a broken wrist are the reports uh has not been confirmed neither injury has been confirmed by the team yet uh but you know uh Adam Pellick missing this game I think the more remarkable thing was Barry Trotz said, you know, in announcing that Adam Pellick is going to need surgery uh, in this offseason, that Adam hurt himself very early in, in, in Game 5, the, the 2-1 double overtime win uh, that extended the series to a Game 6 uh, as the Islanders tried and were unable to fight back from a 3-1 series deficit. Adam Pellick plays a, a game-high 31-59 with, with uh, if the reports are, are, are correct, with a broken wrist. And, and Barry Trotz said he was playing on adrenaline, uh, but was, you know, just no way he could play in game six. Uh, rookie Noah Dobson comes in, quits himself nicely in, in the limited minutes he had with the Barry going with 11 forwards and seven defensemen again and I think it's a big step forward for Noah Dobson looking at next season um but I I know 
the the team is not at next season yet and and you know, I'm assuming if I've got my finger on the pulse of the listenership here uh you guys are not quite ready for next season just yet um still need a little bit of time to digest the end of this season uh you know it's it's now what are we we we're we're getting towards the end of September right i mean this would be the time that training camps you know, would be in full swing if uh, these were normal times in terms of schedules. The Islanders played 2019-20. If you think about when they opened training camp and they opened the season October 4th, I mean, uh, when they started, they were basically playing preseason games, I think, at this point uh, in 2019. So you're looking at longer than a calendar year really, of this season uh, going through its course. Of course, a a a four-and-a-half-month break from uh, when the NHL put its season on pause on March 12th until the return to play uh, postseason started on August 1st. Um, Look, the Islanders, like I said, franchise record 22 games, uh, and it, it was really worth every minute. Uh, in that run, even though they fall short, as Barry Trotz said in his post-game comments, they fall short of climbing the entire mountain. Uh, but they can see the top of the mountain, and uh, I, I, you know nothing is guaranteed. Obviously, and the Islanders are going to have to. They're going to have to improve. They're going to have to improve the power play. They're going to have to improve their scoring. Um, or as Lou Lamarillo would say, their goal differential um, in order to get back close to the mountaintop uh, next season, whenever next season starts. But uh, there's a lot to like in this group. And you you could kind of tell from the way Anders Lee and Barry Trotz spoke after the game that this, you know, obviously Barry wins a Stanley Cup with the, the Caps in 2018. So he's going to walk with that group forever. But you really get the sense that this Islanders, this particular Islanders team, uh, was is high up there for Barry amongst the teams that he coached in terms of liking this group and and respecting this group and respecting this group's resiliency. And uh, you know, uh, just real quickly on on Game Six because I'm going to bring in my Newsday teammates Neil Best and Colin Stevenson uh, for one last time during the playoffs to discuss what we saw. But for for the first 30 minutes of that game, the Islanders were not playing at the same speed or at the same level as the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they found their game in the second period and, and they made it just an absolute thrilling game to watch as they, they, they went into overtime and, uh, you know they get beat. Uh, they get beat on a, a goal uh, right off the right post. Anthony Sorelli uh, kind of redirects a, a feed from behind uh, Barkley Goudreau from behind the goal line, and uh, yeah, it was a goal. I mean, uh, a little bit uncertain at first as to what happened, but it was clearly a goal. And you know, it, it's one of those games where really no one can be faulted. Semyon Varlamov was was outstanding again. And, uh, you know, I, I think going forward, even though Ilya Sorokin is is coming on, uh, I, I think you can be pretty confident that with the work the Islanders have done with Simeon Varlamov this season, they 
they have a playoff goalie, um, you know, and, and now it's up to Ilya Sorokin to get to that level uh, for next season. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, uh, other than the power play looking pretty bad in overtime, um, th- there was not much to dislike uh, once the Islanders found their game. But, uh, you know, uh, overtimes can be 50-50 affairs. And the Islanders won a 2-1 double overtime game in uh, Game 5 and and lost 2-1 in overtime in Game 6. So, uh, like I said, I know right now the the sting of the season being over, the sting of, you know, closing your eyes and dreaming of that Stanley Cup final berth and, and knowing how close it was. The hurt is there for the players. The hurt is there for the organization. And certainly the, the hurt is there for the, the fans, for, for you guys. But, uh, you know, like I said, I think you step back. And, and this is a team that has really captured the imagination and, uh, you know, the affection, uh, much like the Islanders organization used to do on a yearly basis. This is a group that that sort of personifies that that blue collar, uh, you know, attitude that I, I think Long Islanders really you know can get into, and uh, you know I, I I do see very good things uh, <laughs> ahead for this organization. Uh, like I said, improvements need to be made, and and we'll address those on future podcasts. Still a lot to discuss. You know, free agency, the draft as it is for the Islanders who. Don't have a pick in the first or second round, you know, key off-season questions, trades to be made, a flat salary cap. There, there's going to be plenty of stuff to discuss moving forward here, and and we'll be doing all of that. And, and one huge thing is, you know, when are they going to be able to start the 2020-21 season? Uh, you know, the NHL wants to do it. Uh, originally said December 1st, I, I don't think anyone in the league really believes December 1st is is a realistic goal. Now you're you're sort of hearing the same things that the NBA is, you know, planning which is around Christmas time or after. Um but you know, I I know there are some people who would not be shocked if if play does not start again until January uh or February, you know, you you can't play in a bubble a whole regular season. The U.S. Canada border is not open, um, so there are a lot of issues to be resolved in terms of revenue streams and what teams can and cannot afford. Uh, you know, can teams afford to play in empty buildings and and travel around? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm sure there are some teams that are gonna you know put up a uh, you know a huge wall or balk at, at that kind of uh, you know. Uh, arrangement, but again, plenty of stuff to discuss as we get into the off season. But but right now, I, I do want to bring in uh, my Newsday teammates Neil Best and Colin Stevenson. Uh, give them one last crack to discuss the playoffs and what they've seen, and uh, really to to thank them for all their contributions and uh, help in helping me cover the Islanders through this. Uh, very eventful. And like I say, ultimately, you know, it's been a great ride to be on. Uh, You know, I'm just sorry I'm actually not around the team as as I enjoy being. But again, you know, global pandemic, 
everyone is going through sacrifices right now and you know so I had to cover the game sitting in my you know family room watching on a on a tv and doing zoom interviews if if that's what keeps everyone safe then that's what we have to do because keeping everyone safe is a is the priority right now and and healthy but like I said here here is Neil Best and Colin Stevenson and I uh discussing what we see and what we're hoping to see in the future and I'm joined uh, for one final time in this playoff run by my two Newsday teammates here, Neil Best and, and Colin Stevenson. And first off, my uh, my stick taps to you guys for for helping me do this. It's been fantastic, uh, you know, both working with you through the playoffs and doing these podcasts. It's it's been a lot of fun, and I think it's really, you know, been been worthwhile to do so i i, I want to thank you both and uh, i'm hoping the listeners are, are thanking you as well but uh you know i i don't know we obviously can't look ahead to a game seven um but as far as a, a post-mortem on, on game six here you know what, what, what's the first thing that comes to each of your minds well, before I start, I do have to point out that Andrew Gross, uh, his diligence and work on this Islander speed, I, I hope that Islanders fans and Newsday readers appreciate it because he does a great job, you know, back in pre-COVID days when we actually went to games and now trying to navigate the Zoom world, he's done a great job. So I had to say that. Agreed, 100%. I mean, the thing is, if they had lost game 6-5-0, uh, you know, the result would obviously be the same, but... To me, the way they went out kind of uh, was appropriate because of their resiliency and the, you know, uh, losing a game like that, you know, in some ways is more frustrating because they had chances, most notably Brock Nelson with that short-handed breakaway to win the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was actually appropriate for them to go out that way, lose, you know, maybe their best defenseman or one of their best defensemen, and um, throw in a 20-year-old who, who, who in his playoff debut played well. Uh, you know, yeah, it was an appropriate way for them to go out in the sense that they had a battle against some odds and uh, against probably a better team, definitely a better team. And uh, it was kind of cool to see them go out that way if they had to go out. I was very impressed because certainly through the first period of that game and through maybe seven, eight minutes of the second period, I didn't think this one was going to be anything more than maybe a 4-1-3-1 final. You know, I, I, I just thought the Islanders were a step slow for, for about 30 minutes into this game. And then back-to-back -back penalty kills and Varlamov. Uh, you cannot say enough about the way not only Semyon played in this game, but in starting all but, you know, two of the 22, 23, 22, what are we at? Um, yeah, I think 20, 22, 22 postseason games. He makes 20 starts. Um, he, he willed this team into a close, tight match. And I know, Colin, you wrote about you, – you've written about Varley a, a lot. But, you know, in some ways, I thought this might have been his best outing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the, the volume of shots that he looked at um, alone – and it just seemed that he made a save where he didn't even, he wasn't even looking at the guy. <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah. He's like, he's, he's up against, wedged up against the post. He's looking over his left shoulder for the puck coming out uh, the other end. And it, and it comes back out over, you know, uh, the other shoulder and, and he makes the save without even like, you know, 
just because he happened to be in good position. And that was uh, that that I think was was the tale of his game. Uh, you know, in in game six, was that he was just positionally like on. I mean, yeah. he was he was right where he was supposed to be on every shot. There was a, a crazy one. I mean, yeah, way back in the first period, uh, there was one where the shot came in from the point, and Andy Green is standing in front of him and trying like heck to get his foot out of the way. And of course, instead of getting his foot out of the way, he yeah. actually kicks it. Yeah. And and, uh, and and Varlamov is able to you know adjust and make the save on this kick from probably four feet away. I mean, it was it was amazing. So nothing terribly spectacular, no crazy glove saves or you know. But he also he, he took a shot off the mask from Victor Hedman. I mean, you know, just he was just where he was supposed to be uh, the entire night. And I just thought this this was a tremendous game for him. Um, and as, as you guys alluded to, I mean, something that really that they, you know, can build off, I mean, going forward. I mean, and Neil, you've made the point several times that, you know, they had to take advantage this year because you just didn't know, uh, you never know when you're going to be in this way again, but man, if they can build on, on, on a loss, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be on this loss, you know, and, 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 and Varlamov can build off that. Uh, you know, this is a guy who came in in the postseason. He was, I was looking up his numbers, 13 and 13 in, in, in playoff games coming into this season. Um, had really only had three playoff appearances uh, in, in 11 years or something like that. So now he's proven to himself that he can be a playoff goalie. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to take with him going forward. Uh, when, just going back to what Andrew was saying about the feel of that game, you know, there's no, there's no question. Halfway through the second period, I'm like, Okay, I had to keep reminding myself the score was one because, you know, as, as you guys know, and maybe some, some listeners know, you know, we have to, in a night game, sort of write what's going on as it's going on and prepare ourselves for deadline issues. And I was, I was like, you know, in my head, I'm like basically writing a column of the Islanders losing because it was so obvious they were going to lose. And I was like, wait a minute, it's one-to-one. -one. <laughs> it just seemed like they were getting killed, but it was one-to-one. -one. So that was, all, that was a lot of barley, obviously, but also, you know, the other players just, you know, keep keeping it at one-one. I tweeted at one point, I said, you know, the Islanders really need to win this game to force a game seven. And getting outshot 24 to seven is not the best way to go about it. In Barry Trotz's postgame comments, um, when you asked him about Barlamov, you know, he, he kind of veered off and he started talking about some of the work that Mitch Korn and right. Piero Greco have put in and some of the things they saw and some of the things that they've corrected that have made, you know, Varlamov the, the steady postseason goalie that he is. And look, when, when they signed him as a free agent, I, I know there was some head scratching because, you know, he, he got the four years at $5 million per, uh, whereas Robin Leonard, who, you know, was so spectacular for the Islanders last season, gets a one year and five million. So you're paying the same amount of money. And I, I know the thought was in Varlamov, you're not getting an equal goalie to, to what Robin Leonard had provided last season. But I mean, I, I know going into the season, even, you know, last season when they brought in Robin, Varley was a guy that Mitch Korn and, and Piero Greco certainly had their eyes on and, and had a lot of interest in. And I know they, they targeted him as a free agent, 
because of this excitement, they saw something in his game that they knew they could work with and improve. And, and I think you're seeing the results. I mean, you know, Barry Trotz swears by Mitch Korn, you know, did wonderful work both in Nashville and Washington. And Piero Greco is, you know, the day-to-day the, the -day goalie coach, and, and he deserves just as much praise. But I, I would love to talk to Varlamov exactly what, you know, adjustments it was. And I, I did talk to Varley at one point during the season, and he, he, was, he was talking a lot about footwork. And, and I think that's where it started with Varlamov. And it, it gets to what you're saying, that positionally, you know, even on the shots that are coming through screens or the ones right. he's not seeing 100%, He's not out of position. He's getting himself into that position to stop. So I, I do think it all starts with the footwork that, that Mitch and Piero have improved with him. And, uh, you know, it just makes you excited because, you know, they get another season of him next year. And uh, you heard Barry Trotz talking about the work. You know, they've worked now, what, what are we, uh, you know, seven, eight weeks straight with Ilya Sorokin, too, you know. Um, as much as Barry is praising Thomas Grice, none of us really expect him back next season because it's going to be Sorokin and Varlamov unless something, you know, goes off the rails here. So I, I think that is definitely a check in the Islanders' column for next season. You know, sp speaking of you know, things that Barry mentioned in his press conference, yeah, another interesting thing I thought was the, the Nick Letty, you know, when Victor Hedman is doing his thing, you, you can't, you notice him every minute of that he's doing his thing because he's so enormous and he's so talented and you kind of know he's there even if you're a casual hockey fan. Nick Letty is a more subtle, the fact that he said that Letty was by far their best player other than Varley, I found very interesting because I know, I know Nick Letty is a good player, but you don't, he doesn't dom you don't notice him all the time. He's just well, so I, down. There, there were moments in that game where, I noticed him sort of like you notice Matthew Barzell when he's playing one of his good games, that the puck was just kind of finding him and he was able to skate through the offensive zone and, and create time and space for his, for his teammates. I thought he did a great job of controlling the puck in the offensive zone. And, uh, you know, I know he was a minus one for the game and, you know, minus plus minuses really don't mean more than the paper it's printed on. But, uh, I mean, looking forward, and maybe this isn't a discussion to have right now, but, you know, if you look at what the Islanders need for next season, it's certainly more scoring oomph, and it's certainly more scoring oomph on the power play. I, I, I sort of think the Islanders are going to wind up having to use their defense depth to, to, to trade for some kind of scoring help up front and uh you know it, it all helps when when you have a you know when you have a lot of depth back there and i, I did agree with trots i i noticed nick letty a lot in this game yeah no i i'm not saying i didn't notice him it's just you know it's not the same way you notice a victor hedman you know no, he's no, just a, victor hedman is playing in a different rink than almost everyone else <laughs> in the playoffs right now i mean you know, he's, he's, what is it, the nine goals? And I know this is, you know, you know it's a, a different kind of playoffs than in the past. But, uh, you know, that's Paul Coffey and, and Bobby Orr territory, Brian Leach territory. I mean, 
But as as good as Hedman was, as good as Letty was, it, you know, it was Letty and Mayfield on the ice when Hedman was just yeah. all alone there in the slot on that rebound. Now that was a bad play by Barley because that was a bad rebound. Uh, and so it was just too easy for Hedman. So I think Barley and the defense and all, you know, sort of share in that. But it's it's Victor Hedman, so he also is going to make a play no matter what you do. You know, uh, well, while we I guess while we talk about Victor Hedman, this does set up a Stanley Cup final now between the Lightning and the Stars, and obviously we've seen a lot more Lightning than the Stars. I was just wondering if you had any preliminary thoughts on that series. I mean, to me, to me, it's going to be a lot of fun to see Rick Bonus coach in a Stanley Cup final after all these years. I mean, Bones has just been absolutely everywhere in the NHL, including <laughs> he has been. I, 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 you know, it seems like every two years I walk into a different arena and he's an assistant coach for that team. You know? I'm pretty, well, I, I, I can tell you this, that he was an assistant coach for Millbury when I coached, when I oh, covered the Islanders back in well, you know, the late 90s or the mid to late 90s or whatever it was. Um, and then he took over as well. And then he took one. over when Millbury became the, the full-time GM. And, yeah, so, I mean, it, it, he goes back a long way, and he's been doing it a long time and, and, and all that. It was interesting. I don't know if you guys caught the the thing that uh, Eddie Olchek said in, in, the, in the Game 5 telecast where Doc Emmerich was talking about how it could happen that, that uh, that Cooper would go up against uh, Bonus, and and then uh, you know, and all going over all the wonderful flowery things that Cooper had said about Bonus, and huh. and Olchek had some sort of uh, dark, deep, dark sort of uh, undertones of saying, you know, I, I don't know if I believe all that, and you know, you get fired from a team, and and you know, so he sort of was hinting at some sort of bad blood between uh, Bonus and, and Cooper, or at least Bonus and the, uh, the Lightning organization. So, If, if, uh, if hockey were a rational, if, ho- if playoff hockey were a rational, which of course it isn't, you know, to me the Lightning should be a heavy favorite, but that doesn't mean anything <laughs> because it's the hockey playoffs and Dallas could certainly beat them. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, yeah. It's, uh, the, the thing about it is, is it's the goaltending, right? That's the one thing, uh, you know, someone asked uh, – Andy Green in the in the in the pregame Zoom today, like what makes the hockey playoffs? You know, hockey. Why are hockey playoffs so much different than the hockey regular season? Whereas you know, in basketball or baseball, the other sports or football, um, you know, the the playoff game is not different from the regular season game. I mean, the intensity is certainly there, and, and the stakes are certainly higher. But the game in and of itself is not different and why is hockey different I don't think Andy could really put his finger on it but I think it's the goaltending right because you can get a guy who can get super hot and that can that can lift the team you know so uh, it'd be interesting to see if Hudobin out there in Dallas is legit or if he just had a great two weeks against uh, against Vegas can I say can I say a big picture thing about the Islanders because that's what columnists do I was just thinking about what you had said about something I keep saying, which is that, you know, you can't, these chances are so rare. You can't just say, oh, it was fun or, oh, it's building blocks or whatever, because, you know, you just don't know if you're going to get back, which, all of which is true. You know, but I do think it's fair to say that this season and this situation has been so bizarre and, and that, that 
if you're an Islanders fan or an Islanders player, you, you at some level you're just happy you had you got to play it all and you had this chance to do this because you know a few months ago we didn't know if there'd be any playoffs in any sport. So I, I am willing to concede that even though you can't just say, "Oh, it was great, Ryan, we're building," blah blah blah, that that's that because you don't know if you'll get back. I think in this situation, it's okay to look at it as its own sort of entity that this bizarre season and this crazy situation had this, you know, great story with the Islanders and, and kind of leave it at that. It was its own little sort of self-contained world of craziness. Hey, uh, I do want that, to... Was that, was that a, did that make sense? That made sense. Oh, okay. By the way, I, I, I would like to endear Neil even further to Islander fans by pointing out that he, uh, he did hit the series correctly, uh, the lightning and six. So... You, you, I guess you'll get an extra, you know, 10 bucks in your paycheck next week or something. So, does it really count though, Andrew? I mean, if there's a double overtime game and an overtime game, that's like three extra periods. So, doesn't that well, make uh, I, I will say, I will say two things. One, I was convinced if the Islanders managed to pull this game out, even without Pellick in game seven, I think I would have hit it that the Islanders were going to win in seven. I, I, I will I will always believe that if they, they would have won if they had gotten to a game seven. And two, and, and, and Eric Hornick tweeted out this stat, which I, I found remarkable, yes, uh, and which I also, I believe, sorry, Eric, I believe I stole from my notebook uh, after the game. So the Lightning win game one, eight to two, and they win, uh, what was it, game three, four to one, or was that... Uh, game four, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm getting confused. So they get win game one, eight, two, and they win game four, four to one. So now in games two, three, five, and six, the Lightning held a lead in those four games for all of 8.8 seconds. That's <laughs> the first raw goal in game two. That is it. And that is, I mean, it was a six-game series, but I, I really do feel like it was almost a toss-up series. And we'll, we'll never know what would have happened if the NHL had done the Islanders a favor and not made them play that game one on that Monday after flying cross-country. And, you know, look, it's on the Islanders to close out the Flyers when they get them up 3-1. So, I'm, you know, no, no crying over spilled milk there, but, you know, who knows where this series goes if the Islanders don't have to play that game one without any legs and, as Barry said later on, without a chance to really compete in that game. Yes, that, that certainly is uh, one way you could look at it. I look at it that they should have won game two. I mean, yeah. they outplayed Tampa Bay for, you know, 59 minutes and 51 seconds in that game or not 59 minutes and 51 seconds, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, and that was their chance, and that was the game that they should have won, and they somehow found a way to lose that game. And so that's kind of, yes, 8-2 in a game where they had no legs. Yeah, I get that. But I think they could have survived that if they would have just done the business in game two and won game two. Because if they win game two after that, that bad game one loss, now you're really in Tampa Bay's heads. And who knows where you go from there. So that's that's the way I would look at it. 
And then they, you know, and they've made their own bed for game one. I, I can't feel too bad for them. It's kind of like, now I know there's no travel involved, but the Lightning now have to play game two, two days after clinching this series with the Stars have been rested. That's just part of the deal in the playoffs if you don't close people out. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes, you know, staying in that rhythm is to your benefit, but I really think the Flyers – you know, war, that was a, that was a, an incredibly tough series against the Flyers, you know, and I, I think it, it took the toll. I think the, the Flyers deserve a lot of credit in that series for coming back 3-1 and, and, you know, pushing the Islanders as they did, even though the Flyers seemed to run out of gas in game seven, you know, four nothing game there. Um, but uh any other thoughts? You guys have a favorite moment in this postseason run? Well, I, I do. Before we go to favorite moments, I, I would like to, to discuss a little bit about um, that, that power play that the Islanders had in the overtime. Because, you know, three consecutive plays, three consecutive rushes, Barzal goes in. Same thing, and he gets denied at the, at the blue line, basically. Yeah, right at the, just cross the blue line, and they just knock it away three times. Not yeah. once, not twice, but three times. And, you know, this is a situation where you're in overtime, you're scrapping to win, you're trying to stay alive. You have killed off a four-minute penalty, and now you have a power play. And I don't even know if they got a shot on goal. In fact, I think they did. They, they did not, no. Um, that's unacceptable. That, that, guy is, that guy is a complicated situation. I mean, again, I've said it on one of our other podcasts. Every time Barry's asked about Barzell, he credits his great talent and how he's worked hard, but he keeps – he always says he's a work in progress, always. And that power play, you know, sort of illustrated that Matt Barzell is an extremely talented player who is a work in progress. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see how, that, how he develops – and how Barry tries to shape him in the next couple of years. And it's going to be interesting, too, to see how those negotiations go. He is a, an RFA, right, With, without arbitration rights. Yeah. And they're going to need to pay him. But, but, what, but what, you know. I would have to think. I think I said this. I was on a Sirius XM uh, before game six. And they asked me about where Barzell's negotiations were going. And I, I – I don't see anything but a bridge deal here because everything is so uncertain. Why, why would Barzell want to commit long-term when there's a flat salary cap? And, you know, the Islanders certainly can't open up their coffers and offer, you know, him probably the 10 million a, a season that he really wants at this point. So I, I would think it's a, it's a very short-term deal, maybe two years, um, you know, two years, seven million per and, and they table it for down the road I, I and that seems that seems fair to me i mean i, just, I don't if i'm you know if i'm lou uh and andrew you and i go back a long way with lou um i just don't see how you can pay barzell the kind of money that he would perhaps want at this time um you know he's 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 got talent up you know like up the wazoo if you want to say that i mean and and you know what one of the guys i think it was it was either eddie or it was it was boucher said he he was reminiscent of um uh denny savar i heard that yeah i thought was uh was you know i hadn't thought of it but it, it makes a lot of sense but um you know he's a guy with immense talent but 
You know what I mean? Like, it's just uh, get me 30 goals. Get me 40 goals. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's more the assists with him. I mean, he, he, he'll, you know, a good season for him is probably, you know, if he can get to 25 goals, you know, but the expectations is going to be, you know, 65, 70 assists. Something along there. So that, that's the kind of player he is. It would well, be great if he could get to 30 goals. But. And it's less about, you know, less about his point totals. It's, it's what does he do for the team, right? Yeah. But, uh-huh. I mean, you, you can't lose a talent like that. No, certainly not. But I, I don't think you can give him seven years, 70 million. Not at this moment, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, you asked me for uh, my thoughts. I'm going to – well, first of all, I go back to 1979 ECAC tournament with Lewis, so that's even before you asked. Um, mm. So uh, mm. that's not what I was going to say. Um, in terms of what I think about in terms of the takeaway from this, you know, I'm sort of going back to my uh, business slash media hat, I guess. But, you know, there, there's a backdrop to this uh, Islanders run, which you saw if you were watching any of the MSG – uh, pre-game shows or even leaked into the NBC thing, which is the new arena. So, you know, the, the, the fact that they had this run and got their fans this excited has huge business implications too because they need to sell tickets at that arena and get people excited about it. And they leveraged, as they should, they leveraged this run to get people excited and buy tickets. And, you know, they got one more year at the Coliseum, obviously. But but that, that was uh, – the timing of this in business terms was great for that, great for this franchise because everybody thinks there's a bright future, which I think there is too, and uh, this sort of illustrated it. So that's another sort of subplot of what happened here. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, as far as stats go, and, and Neil, I guess you thought this was a, a clever line, but I, I do think Adam Pellick might be the first player in NHL history to suffer – two season-ending injury, you know? And that's, 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 that, was a good, that was a good line. I like that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're sort of running out of time here. Um, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, in like 30 seconds each, do, do, does either one of you have a favorite moment, you know, from these four rounds of playoffs you've been covering? No, it has to be the dive, no? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty – well, you know what, as it turns out, I mean, obviously I don't know the guy. I've not covered him. And um, I I don't know what his personality is. I just hadn't seen the guy smile. I hadn't seen him show any emotion at all on the ice. And and to see him do that was was completely, like, mind-boggling to me. So, uh, so yeah, that is is my favorite moment uh, of these playoffs. I mean, it's – you know, I can't even think of a second favorite. I sort of go back to that Capitals series, just the overall thing and what it probably, what it definitely meant for Barry Trotz and Lane Lambert and Mitch Korn and for their players who wanted to give them, you know, that sort of sense of satisfaction. Uh, that, that to me was kind of, it was really cool that the Islanders not only won that series for those guys, but, but won it in the fashion they did. But yeah, no. And nothing's going to top Semyon Varlamov <laughs> headfirst dive. Yeah, I, I, I don't have anything to top either of those because I think both of you, you know, brought up good good memories from this run. Uh, I, I just go back to the what I kind of what I said earlier that you know when you when you think about the fact that as sports fans slash Islanders fans, uh, what what people didn't have for months in the spring just to have had this 
you know, sort of bonus. It was sort of a gift, I think, for Islanders fans and hockey fans in general. So, you know, that's what I'll remember about this. It was just kind of a an extra thing that we didn't think we'd have back in, you know, May, April, May, whatever. I mean, if you think about it, I cover the Rangers, right? They went literally went three and out. Yeah. I mean, they've been out of this. They were in the they were in the postseason for a week. Well, I can't I can't remember a, a period a longer period. I mean, it's been a long, long time where the the Islanders really had the New York hockey spotlight for this long. Because, I mean, the Rangers were out by, what was it, August 7th, August 6th, something Something like that. that, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you're you're talking. And then won the draft lottery. (laughs) So, you know, that was big news too. Yeah. But that's really six weeks where it was nothing but Islanders if you're thinking of New York hockey. and. uh, and going back to Neil's point about, you know, selling the new arena, I think that that was huge for the uh, organization as well. Well, listen. What do they got to do next next uh, season, Andrew? I mean, like, give, us a little, give us a little hint as to what, what's on the to-do list for the offseason. They need uh, – they, they, they clearly need scoring help, uh, specifically on the power play, because – that's what's going to get them over the hump is a, a power play that scares opponents. You know, they, they, can, they can say all they want about how good they play five on five, but they have to have an edge on special teams. They, they already usually have it on, on penalty kill. They have to have a power play edge. And it's, you know, they, they, they switched coaches going into the season and not much changed. And I think, it's either, you know, a, a sniper on the wing or a defenseman like Orion Pulak who can get the shot through consistently and create rebounds. But th- that power play is is got to be high up on that priority list for the offseason. And with that, uh, I am going to say good night and, and wish uh, Neil Best and Colin Stevenson all the best here and, and thank them once again for all their efforts and contributions. And uh, you can find Neil at SportsWatch on, on Twitter. He covers football. He covers media. He writes about everything. He's a columnist through and through. And Colin Stevenson, Colin S. Newsday, will be back uh, whenever, I guess, for the draft and free agency uh, back on the Rangers. But uh it's good to talk to both of you, and uh, we'll we'll talk soon. So I, I know it's redundant, but let me just say thank you one last time to uh, Neil and Colin. Uh, could not have gotten through this uh, playoff run uh, w- without all their help, and and it's not just on the podcast. It's discussing stories, and it's uh, it, it's everything. So. Uh, you know, as I said uh, before, bringing those two on, we're we're going to do a lot more of these podcasts as we get into the off season. Uh, I promise to get back to Andrew's answers and uh, probably do a whole episode of that coming up shortly uh, as we uh, we look at the off season questions. But uh, in, until then, thank you so much for for being along on this ride. And uh, like I said, I know it hurts right now, but. Uh, you know, this organization is in a good spot. And if improvements can be made and, you know, if, if they get 
lucky bounces here and there, uh, like any successful team in the playoffs needs. This is a team, as I asked Anders Lee after the game, you know, do you see this team being a perennial contender moving forward? And not just a contender for the Metropolitan Division or, you know, to get into the playoffs, but a legitimate Stanley Cup contender on a year-by-year basis moving ahead with this group. And Anders Lee said, I don't see any reason why not. And uh, I I tend to agree with him. But uh, anyway, look, uh, if you want to read all my stuff or listen to back podcasts or uh, read Colin's uh, hockey material or Neil's columns, uh, all can be found on the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports. Uh, You can also find this podcast anywhere podcasts are. Uh, You know, uh, we got 53 of them in the bank with this one, and that's over 50 weeks. Uh, 50 weeks, I guess. Uh, I was looking back. The first episode came out uh, first week of October in 2019. So uh, uh, it seems like a long, long time ago. But, uh, you know, (laughs) that's basically the course of one season. Um, So, again, thank you so much to all of you for for tuning in and chiming in with questions. And, And basically... Uh, using hockey as as a conduit to uh, to to have some fun in life because that's what hockey is. Hockey is fun. Um, you know, I'm certainly going to be glued to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I know some people might have some problems watching that, but you know, uh, whether the team you're covering is is in or not, uh, NHL playoff hockey is still unlike anything else you can get in the sporting world so i i will be there glued to the tv to to watch that series and uh until i talk to you again be safe be healthy everyone thank you so much and uh uh you know uh we'll we'll talk to you again very shortly